The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. And another wonderful thing about the breath is that it's this thing that's in motion. And so things that are moving and it's visible, like tangible to us that it's in motion, that's easier to pay attention to than stillness. Like, if I just hold my hand here, and I invite you to just pay attention to my hand that's not moving, just notice how long it takes before your mind or eyes want to wander. Have you wandered yet? No? Okay. Now that you have, I wonder. Now you're disrupted. Have you wandered? No? Okay. (laughs) So, great, great staying connected, right? I distracted you, but... If you, um, in, in general, unless you're really applying your effort, right? When you apply effort, it's easier to stay with something. But in general, the mind isn't tuned into those things that are stationary. In, my, in general, the mind is more attuned to the things that are moving. So with consciousness, you can bring that focus there. But in general, the mind will want to focus more on, you know, it's just a survival kind of, scanning, knowing the environment, sort of necessity of our survival, of evolution. So sometimes people have a hard time being with the breath. Are you all comfortable with focusing on your breath? Okay, great. If you, um, so we started with the breath and sort of tuning into it from like the inside experience of it. You know, noticing the different contact points, the way that it sort of expands the body when you breathe in, and the way that the body shifts with the exhale, maybe noticing the temperature changing on the in and out breath. And and then just kind of practicing this connecting with the flow, and, you know, you all have some experience, so... Some people don't, so just learning how to be with three breaths in a row, for example, right? It's kind of like an anchor. Kind of like what? An anchor. An anchor. Uh, well, that's exactly right. So, um, that's right. That's right. So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so in, in our tradition, we call it an anchor, and John Kabat-Zinn is from our tradition, right? And... Anchor is what most often we teach, or breath is what we most often teach as an anchor. But you can also use sound or breath. Those are two other, or body, those are two other common anchors. But the anchor is like that rope that keeps us here, here, whether it's the sound, sensations in the body, or the breath. So having and cultivating a relationship with, like, and choosing what you want your anchor to be helps with stabilizing your practice. Um, sometimes Gil talks about it like, you know how a small stream maybe is moving imperceptibly. If you just look at it, it looks like the water's still. But if you put a, a stick in it, and you can start to see 
how the water forms around it and it creates a ripple so you can see the motion and in a way you might think about your anchor as like that it helps you connect with this flow and it helps you stay um, kind of aware of where you are um, at any given moment so then the breath from there we expand to the body right so it's a natural progression because the breath happens in the body and we can start to tune into the whole body um, and body moving, walking, body sitting, ten, you know, work we kind of, I wasn't here last week, but hopefully Sandra talked a little bit about working with pain or sensation um, and how a big challenge for that, that week in this class is to pay attention to these sensations in the body without the narrative, without the kind of interpretive, you know, I like that, I don't like that, that's too loud, that's too much, right? More a simple like, oh, pulsing, pressure, kind of a real stripped down kind of attending to sensations in the body. Gus, was there anything else from last week that seems noteworthy? Yeah, that'd be great. There was an interesting comment that somebody made about how in the exercise that we did, um, they had put themselves outside of their body and then looking at their body. And, um, well, at least to my way of thinking, that's not the point. It's not just being heady and then be looking at your body. It's to be within the, mic the body. A little closer within the body, right? Not right. outside of it, right? Right. So that was that was an interesting kind of tangent, but instructive moment. Yeah. Don't yeah. go outside. Stay within. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in general, when we're doing formal meditation, the point is to turn our awareness inward, right? To tune into the inner experience, the inner landscape. Yeah. So today is emotion, and so, of course, the voices in our head have something to do with our emotions, but next week, we're moved to thinking. So there'll be some, you know, kind of acknowledgement of the thinking and the voices, but again, this, I, this, this is the goal, is like, okay, let's simplify, let's See if we can't separate the experience of emotion from the experience of thinking because it's that constructed thing, right? They come together, yet they can be experienced as independent. So tonight we'll focus more on kind of identifying emotions and how to understand and relate to them and then how to practice with them. Yeah. You're smiling. Oh, that's nice to know. I had no idea. You're smiling. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So, okay. So, um, so let's, you know, kind of just, just do a brief practice. I'll just do an introductory practice. 
um, just to sort of first, just let's take a minute to feel our feet and just let our attention rest on our breath for a minute. Find our bodies here. Acknowledging, I've arrived. I belong here. And as you sit here, tune in to any emotions that might arise. And if, if you have an emotion come up, the invitation would be to recognize it. And the way that we kind of recognize it is maybe like a sense of, oh, I see you. I see you. And if there's a, a simple clarity around what the emotion is, you might sort of in your mind say, oh, I see you, peace. Or I see you, worry. You know, just a real simple little thing. Just the first part is just to practice this and a little bit just naming whatever emotion you're aware of. In the meantime, use your breath as your anchor, your body, to help you stay present as you allow whatever emotional landscape changes, weather changes. We might call emotions like the internal weather system. And maybe there's stability in it, and maybe there's fluctuation, and maybe there's multiple emotions. Did any of you have any emotional visitors? Any emotional state that you could recognize during that short little sit? Would you mind bringing her a microphone? Gus, there's one there too. I can't quite hear you, Susan. Is it Suzanne? Suzanne. Suzanne. Is freezing an emotional state? Oh, so you feel cold. I'm freezing. You're freezing, not just cold. No, I... Thank you. 
Yeah, so you might have had emotions about being. Richard's going to turn the heat up. So you might have been cold and had some emotional response to being cold as well. So I'm learning about how to name emotions. Great. Because I don't, Great. it doesn't pop in my head right away. Yeah. And so if you're really cold, what emotion would that be? Because yeah. I'm constantly freezing. Mm-hmm. And since he left it at 66, it, it was okay when I came in. But then yeah. it just started getting really cold. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know exactly how to make that an emotion it doesn't you don't need to make it an emotion no. it just might be for example we have associations to different states mm-hmm. so sometimes you know being cold might be equated with a certain experience in our past mm-hmm. for example and then that would bring up an emotion or sometimes i've had people get angry because they're cold or too hot right so um, you don't need to make anything up. Don't yeah. make anything up. Okay. Um, it's more like, oh, be curious. How is it to feel cold? Yeah, it takes over your whole being to be cold. Oh, <laughs> so nice, Gus. <laughs> it takes over your whole being. Yeah, it takes over your whole body. And, yeah. and I do have some pain, but that's normal for me but it just stands out more because you're cold now. Yeah. And um, I can't feel my hand. My hands are always super cold Yeah. because I have MS and, and the extremities get cold all the time. In fact, when they said you have to wear a mask, it's so wonderful because my nose isn't cold. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay, so. great. Did, did Gus or Mar, did you have any emotions that came up for you while you were sitting? Nothing at all. Contentment. I was just calm. Calm. Yeah, and it was, it was uh, pleasant. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, so that's great. So we can, you know, sometimes it's easy to differentiate emotions. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it doesn't really feel like we're having an emotional state. Right? It's not really emotional. So. Um, But starting to tune in when we do feel emotions is really important. I think of emotions, you know, it's both kind of what makes life both sublime and really difficult. Like emotions are like the the seasoning or the flavoring or the color in life. And, um, you know, and the thing is, is that we, some of us, when we've had a lot of difficult emotions, might start to try and block those emotions. But by blocking the negative, we actually end up blocking the positive as well. So one of the goals with, you know, this practice is to develop the capacity to be with the flow of all emotions and to not get carried by that flow but to let them move through. So the word emotion 
comes from the Latin word to move, to move through. So, you know, by recognizing the emotional state, it's sort of like, I think about it a little bit like you've got a messenger who's come to tell you something. And when you acknowledge the messenger, the messenger can go away. (laughs) And the next thing can happen, whatever that needs to be. So, you know, and the emotions, you know, they want you to do something. There's something motivational in their energy, whether it's collapsing in despair or it's jumping with joy. There's, there's some physical movement that comes with most emotional states. So sometimes also you can tune, if you're not sure what the emotion is, you might notice the body and, oh, is it doing this? Is it doing this? Is it doing this? You know, sort of that can also start to help you tune in to maybe what emotional quality might be present. Um, Yeah, I mean, emotion is connected to the heart, right? And the heart is what we connect with, with love, with care, with kindness. And so... You know, and I notice in my own heart that um, just like content, just a little thought might come in and I can feel the heart start to tighten, right? I can feel something shift in me that's not open and expansive. And then if the content shifts in the mind, the heart relaxes and there's more warmth there, more ease there. Let's let's give you the mic, okay. yeah, Suzanne. It's great. Where do you start that um, emotions are in the heart? Because it's really the left and the right side of the brain, right? Emotions are in the right side of the brain, and the logic and stuffs in the left. Well, I'm not sure that that's where the emotions are, but they that that is the processing or you know mm-hmm. place for processing and content that's related to emotion, right? I think it's this integrated system mm-hmm. because there's this something called the vagus nerve, Yeah, right? vagus nerve. I feel it all the time. Yes, yeah. I know that and one. And so it, the vagus nerve goes into the heart and into the gut. Mm-hmm. And so emotions, you know, the organs are involved in our emotional regulation mm-hmm. and, and states. Yeah, and it goes, it, it goes all the way up into the head, right. too. I feel a lot right here. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So we feel... What we feel, we feel in our body, right? Mm-hmm. We, we have mental ideas, but the feeling itself is in the body somewhere, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that makes sense. You've got, you've got a mic right there, so you could let her hold I've got one. two mics. <laughs> it's not working. Yeah. Is it working? Yeah, no, okay. it is. So, um, <clears throat> just very quick tangent. I just read some research about there's uh, cells in the brain that are actually connected. Closer. Connected where your body is. Oh, I think the mic just went out. That's right. Anyways, just really quickly, the discovery and the in the structure that connects to the muscles of the, you know, that helps the brain understand where it is and what's happening, right? There's actually some other cells that people didn't understand what they were. They're not connected to the motor functions, but they are connected to the body. Mm. Very interesting. So, 
the conclusion being, yes, there's definitely a mind-body. You can point to the mind-body connection in those structures. Wow, very cool. Yeah. I haven't seen that, so that's great. Yeah. Yeah, well, this, you know... There's a book um, called My Stroke of Insight. Have you guys read it? It's by Jill Bolt-Taylor. She's a um, physician, and she had a stroke. And it's all about her experience of having the stroke and then her research related to her experience of having the stroke. It's a great book. Excuse me? She's a neurosurgeon. Thank you, Richard. Even more profoundly important, right? Because her understanding... observation of the whole process is fascinating, right? But one of the things that she talks about in the book is emotions and how, from a neurochemical perspective, they last 90 seconds. That's how long it takes to process a spurt of emotional chemistry into your brain. And, you know, and so what, but, but how often do we have an emotion that only lasts 90 seconds. You, Suzanne doesn't remember that lasting 90 seconds. Yeah. That mic, that mic, because people are going to, can you speak when you, into the mic there? That's okay. I mean, especially if it's a negative emotion, uh-huh. it seems like it lasts a lot longer than 90 seconds. Yeah. So why is that? Why do you think the emotion lasts longer? Because it's not passing through your body. Yeah, and we're re-triggering it. So the uh, the way we think, right, and even our reactions to the emotions will impact how long they stick around. And it's it's partly how long they stick around, but it's also partly how much we're kind of dumping more and more of that neurochemical mix into our system. And actually... Um, one of the things that we're learning through neuroscience, and the Buddha taught this as well, is that the positive emotions we want to sustain, we want to nourish them, we want to, re- you know, like allow the mind to savor and then hopefully kind of continue to produce the neurochemicals related to joy and happiness and ease. So, Um, having wisdom around what we attend to and how we attend to it um, is really an important part of working with emotions and just our thinking too, but we'll come to that more next week. So, you know, it's, it can be fun to play with this, to try. And when you do have a negative mood state and you recognize it, so that really important part recognizing, naming, even if it's, ooh, difficult emotion, (laughs) tension, you know, like even if it's just that much, to try and time it. By watching it in the body, you might be able to prevent unnecessary re-triggering. Maybe it doesn't only last 90 seconds, but maybe it's two minutes or three minutes or five instead of an hour or two or three. Yeah, And so part of this also is this invitation to allow the emotions to move through us. And so one of the ways 
like this really, the way we practice with emotions is to find and fill them in our body. And literally, uh, it's like there's the content and we want to shift our awareness from the content to the experience in the body. And that's how we start to watch the sensations. They'll expand or contract or shift. Need some water. <clears throat> and essentially help ourselves not re-trigger. Not re-trigger. And allow the freedom to the emotion. But this, this recognition is important. Because if the messenger is knocking and we ignore it, it's going to keep knocking. So we don't have to be precise about it, but we do need to acknowledge when there's kind of emotional content happening. Another way the Buddha talked about this, um, kind of the kind of regeneration of, of difficult emotions is in the simile of the arrow. Are you guys familiar with the simile of the arrow, Mara? So the Buddha talked, it like he said, if, I, if you got shot with a bow and arrow, and the arrow hit you, would it hurt? Right? It would hurt, right? I can't hear you. you got to use the mic. Christian Neff, who wrote Self-Compassion. Neff, yeah. Yeah, wrote Self-Compassion. Yeah. And I was just listening on the way over to exact that exact sample. Oh, great! Of the arrow and stuff. Great. So, so the Buddha says you get hit. It's an arrow. It hurts. And we have an option at that point, and that is to be really, you know, kind of get mad at whoever shot the arrow at us. And. You know, in his simile, he actually says that the guy who got hit with the arrow wouldn't let the doctor take the arrow out and tell the doctor knew who shot it and all these things, right? And that every time we add like that resentment or the anger, it's like getting shot by another arrow. So the way that we can think about it is, you know, difficulty happens. Difficult emotions, difficult experiences, disappointments, frustrations... These things happen. It's what we do with it after that, where we have, it's optional suffering. We can add to our suffering, or we can be simply more present for our suffering in a way that doesn't promote the continuation and worsening of it. So a daily life simple example might be that... um, I'll just use Gills because it's so simple. It's one of his master master capacities is creating these very simple similes. So he talks about walking in front and stubbing his toe. Okay, so it hurts. He stubs his toe. And then, oh, shoot. Did anybody see me? Did somebody see me trip? Oh, and then, oh, but I'm the mindfulness teacher. How can I be anybody respect me if I trip and I'm supposed to be mindful, right? 
So we've got the third arrow now, right? And then, like, I can't go in and teach today. I'm going to have to call somebody else and ask them to come and teach. The fourth arrow, right? And on and on it goes, right? We can just keep kind of this proliferation of shooting more and more arrows at ourselves. Does that make sense? Great. Okay, you ready for another practice? All right. So um, we're going to use a practice called raft. We started it with the recognizing. That's the first part of raft. We'll just do now, we're going to take a two-step process. We're going to do the recognizing, and then we're going to invite ourselves to kind of allow, see if we can allow space with the emotion that arises. Just allow, not necessarily accept it or like it, but like, okay, you're here, kind of. I can allow you to be here. And, or if it's a positive emotion, yeah, you can have space, not get over here, I want more of you, right? Sort of this allowing. But to help you, you might want to think about something small-ish that won't be overwhelming, that you know has some emotional content for you. But something small. So maybe it was spilling your coffee on your favorite shirt today, staining the shirt. You know, maybe it's something like that that you choose to bring to mind. So just take a moment to kind of see what comes up with your mind. What does your mind offer you? And then ask yourself, can I, can I be with this? Is this a, a, an emotional content that is manageable for me? And if it is, just bring it together, more, more and more clarity to your mind about the memory. And if at any point it switches from manageable to unmanageable, drop it. You might need to stand up or walk to distract yourself Or just simply, you might be able to shift to another example. But tending to yourself through this process, taking care of yourself, not overwhelming yourself. So bringing this situation, maybe the time of day, the temperature, the color, the lighting, who you're with or not with, what you were wearing. These details can help us bring a memory into better focus. when and if an emotional state arises, recognizing it. It's really simple, yet kind of in this profound way of, I see you. I see you. 
And if it's possible, and I'm here with you, you are here with me, this allowing of the emotional state to be present. So the recognizing and the allowing. And just practice here for one minute, seeing if you can feel into this and what happens. What happens? Nothing needs to happen, just being attuned, noticing how it is for you. if there's a feeling of resistance. And if there's resistance there, you can just name it too. You can recognize it. Oh, I see you, resistance. I see you. And, okay, I'm here with you and you're here with me. Resistance is here. might feel like, you know, pulling away or a sense of trying to pull back. And at any point that you feel ready, the next part of this practice is to feel. Find and feel the emotion in your body as a sensation. So, if you have a visual mind, you might feel the sensation and have an image of it, a color, a shape, or a metaphor, a simile, like hot iron or pounding, right? Pressure. If you're, you know, more sensory-based, just the sensation it might just be more that simple hot right there might be a, a image and a sensation or there might just be a sensation and in as simple way as you can being curious about its shape and form about how its presence changes your experience in your body doing it in a way with enough room that the emotion has the space it needs to express itself. And the mind will want to go to the story. And Invite the mind to help you today to come back to the direct experience, the feeling in the body, the sensation. 
The language of the body is sensations. The way it speaks is by sensation. The way it feels heard is by our feeling those sensations. So we'll pause here and just check in about how it's going. What are you noticing? Is anybody willing to share? Um, So my emotions started here, the biggest nerve. And in the process of um, explaining the emotion, it moved down through my body. Because it, it was something I hadn't done. I hadn't, I, I don't know why I, I was getting so upset over not being able to parallel park anymore. But um, I can't see as well as I used to. I, I'm from New York originally, and it was so easy to whip the car into a little parking space. But I can't do that anymore. And my car's not huge. It's a Prius. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I tried to park, and I tried to park, and then I just went away and then found another parking space that was bigger, and then I was able to park. And, and um, yeah, it, it just takes so much energy out of you because you're, you're just so frustrated that you can't do something you used to be able to do 30 years ago, right? So... Um, so, so that's the, what you were working with. Yes. And you were able to recognize mm-hmm. and the frustration and be with it. Sounds like you yeah. were able to be with it. And then when you found it and felt it in your body, you noticed mm-hmm. it started here. Mm-hmm. And then as you attended to it here, what you noticed, as you looked at it, like naming it, mm-hmm. like, okay, I know what you are, it actually moved and changed and moved down into your body. Yeah. And how was that for you? It was so much nicer than the frustration. I hadn't even thought about mm. that frustration until mm. I was thinking about, okay, what emotions have happened recently? And, and then when I started explaining to myself why I can't parallel park like I used to, then my body, like the muscles, just kind of relax. Beautiful. So you got, you, you know, you, you went to what we're going to do next. You started okay. the next pra- part of the practice. Okay. You're doing great. That's great. Gus, do you want to say anything? Or Mara? I couldn't um, identify any particular emotion. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on Um, right now where we live and and you would think my mind would be full of (laughs) 
that, but it wasn't. It was so. If I had to describe the situation that I was experiencing, it would be. I think you did. You just turn it off again. It would be. Um, there we go. Oh, there we go. It would be a lot more, just denser white noise, just more, um, like a like a cloud or fog swirling around. Great. That's what I Great. got. And Great. it didn't manifest anywhere in my body, except it's hard to sit on the floor after not having sat on the floor for a while. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so sometimes that's enough, right? Just to recognize it's like this cloud. It's this moving, diffuse energy, right? And... Um, and, you know, maybe that was making it hard to feel it in the body because maybe it's a little bit like it's too much almost to because to, there's so many pieces. Who knows? But nice. Thank you, Mara. Gus. I focused on <clears throat> on a very small thing, noticing this morning that I had stained a shirt oh, in oh, some way. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> and uh, the... Uh, what comes up is sort of this frustration with myself for not having noticed something and having stained the shirt. Um, but I recognize that kind of background frustration yeah. with myself. And um, it's kind of like an old friend. So um, I don't feel it strongly in my body. It's just kind of background noise, right? Mm-hmm. And then what happens is my mind just says, well, let's not think about that too much, and it'll try to get me to think about something else and maybe even nod off, because it's like, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. You recognized it, you named it, you did it, okay, we're done. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> is there a sense that that's all that was needed, or is there a sense that it's a little bit of a, like, shoo-shoo go away? It's more of a shoo-shoo go away. So then you might just practice with a shoo-shoo go away. Yeah. You know, like, oh, what does it feel like to go shoo-shoo, go away? You know, because that, you know, and it can be kind of diffuse. But as I do it, I have a felt sense of it, right? Well, you, you, you know, I mean, it's, it's Gus's meditation, so we'll see what, you know. Um, it's more like, again, just feeling, getting familiar, like, okay, there's frustration, and then they're shooing it away. And then what happens? Right, I think the uh, giving recognition to the shooting away is kind of the important part there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So really, that sounds very fruitful, like exploring that, right? Um, So we'll move in now to this next part of the practice, which, Suzanne, you started to do, which is to tease it apart. So you're, what, what you did was, ah, oh, that was 30 years ago. I could park like that. So it's this memory that you're kind of saying, oh, and I want to be like I was, right? And, oh, and I can't see the same way. So this is kind of teasing apart all the things that are coming together to create that frustration when you can't park the way you want to right so let's just take a moment now and you know Gus you can 
do this with a shoe shoe if you want. And Mara, you can see, you know, I have this image for teasing apart that I'll offer you, which is, it's like, it helps me a little bit, is imagining this large table with as many chairs around it as I need. So all the things, Mara, going on at your house, you could just have each piece have its own little seat. And they can be as far away from each other, as close to each other as they want to be or you want them to be. The room can be as big as it needs. And you just kind of give space to all the little pieces. We're not, we're not digging and pulling. What we're doing is allowing, allowing pieces that come forward to be honored, to let them know they have space here, that they too have a place here. So just, we'll just move right back and feel your body, feel your feet again, find your breath. Mm-hmm. You know, and you've been, it's taking maybe three breaths in a row just to settle into this moment. And notice where you are in this process. You know, does, does something need to be named or are you already ready to have things sit down at a table? Just wherever you're at, starting there. imagining when you're in the teasing apart that you know you're having an open house and people may or may not come and you're there at the door to greet them if they show up you don't need to go out and find anybody or it's just simply being present for whatever guests arrive When it feels like the right time, you can kind of just invite yourself to have this overview, this capacity to kind of take in the scene. You're looking at it from a little bit of a, a perspective of awareness, observing. Not so much me, mine, and I, but wow, look at this, look at all this coming together here. Look what's shown up here. What's clear, what's not clear. And the next part of the practice is to shift into a space that might feel like trust or truth. Truth and trust are very connected. Sort of the truth of the situation. In the sense of everything can be included. It's all part of this experience. Nothing needs to be excluded, right? 
What is there a way to feel into trusting your awareness and whatever you've been able to see here? Some way of resting with it all. And how was that? How was that process for you? Mara would like the microphone. Yay! Well, it's very interesting, your analogy with the table. And I felt um, as though, in terms of my positioning, I was very much in the middle of the table or... Mm. sitting back from the table, arms folded. <laughs> a very big table, by the way. And, you know, octagonal. So that everyone had a corner and lots of space in between. And there were a lot of people there. <laughs> so, but my uh, further observation is to think about addressing each of the spaces and the people in them or their issue individually around the room. And then I started thinking, well, how do I determine the priority? (laughs) And then I thought, well, I shouldn't think about the priority. I should just address each thing as I come to it. Beautiful. In order to be in some way at peace with with. The situation I'm in with all these issues and things, and then I thought, yay, that um, all of those issues don't really matter anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that the one most important person is the person that uh, is in in my life is more important than any of the issues. So it sort of put everything in wow. perfect perspective. Beautiful. Yeah, I can say that. Truly, thank you. Thank you, Mara. I think I took on something a little too big. Um, when I was growing up, I really didn't have a mom. I mean, she was there physically, but not mentally. Mm-hmm. And so... I um, basically, there's a little Suzanne in my head that I I talk to a lot because she was scared and created this whole world Mm -hmm. to live in. And um, so then when I had a child, I was so overwhelmed because here's this little Suzanne raising a child and she doesn't know how to do that. Mm -hmm. She, She was able to get out of 
get out of the family and move on with life, but not another human being, right? So I was trying to just figure out the overwhelm and mm. talk to her about, you know, your... Well, this, yeah, so this might be the difference between, like, the therapy and the mindfulness yeah. practice, right? Because we don't... When we're doing this, it's not... We're not actively trying to figure out. Mm. We're really trying to more allow things to unfold and to see them. And trust yourself. If, when it feels like it's too much and it starts getting complicated, let go. Start over, take a break, yeah. like really being able to honor your own capacity and regulation at the moment is really a powerful strength, actually. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, plenty of childhood trauma also, and being the oldest. Um, a lot of expectations, had to get all everything right. There's like a huge part of my life which is you need to get it right. Um, some of it incredibly important for my mom, for example. I had to get it right. Um, so there's always this background. Have to get it right. Uh, wave happening, right? The shoeing is that I'm aware of it. And, um, you know, um, I, I like I like this thinking of let go as being two meanings. One of what, them, say that again? Let go of being two meanings. One of them could be like dropping a hot potato. You uh-huh. just let it go. Yep. But the other meaning of it is let it go. Absolutely. Right? Let it flow. Yeah. And part of the shoeing is helping it flow, mm-hmm. you know? I know. I'm aware. Beautiful. Move along. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, just keep playing with it, Gus. Keep getting to know it, because there might be layers there, too. Yeah, I believe there would be. Yeah, yeah. but um, beautiful. So, um, do you guys, you know, normally we, like, allow for a small little group discussion. So the three of you feel like you would like to talk together for a little bit about um, sort of, I have a couple of questions for you. Would you like to do that? Are you comfortable doing that? Great. Um, So, you know, you kind of already shared your names and stuff. So, um, but if you want to, well, you have your name tag, so you're good. So here's a question for you um, to explore. And I'd like you to do it kind of in a spiral share. And the question is, what are your beliefs about emotions? What do you generally think about, you know, and how do you relate to emotions based on those beliefs? So just answer like, oh, I think emotions are awesome. And then let Gus go. And he says, I hate emotions. <laughs> and then Mara says, well, I think they're a teacher, you know. And you just each person just keeps saying a little bit about how you're relating and believing, you know, what you believe about emotions. So you can just kind of spiral and let it deepen. We'll just do it for, you know, about two or three minutes. I'll listen for you and see if there's a slowing in your conversation to relate to differently. 
Are there any emotions you would like to relate to differently? And if so, maybe say a word about that. You know, a mess. Maybe you could see the conflict as the ingredients to make something with. <laughs> you know, like it, we can play with our minds. So, you know, or maybe you see it as an invitation for intimacy. Like, so do you have a sense more of what would help you kind of start to have a different belief in place? Different guide for relating to conflict. Um, no. Uh huh. <laughs> because it's very, it's a very strong uh, emotion. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd like to, and open to things like this person in particular, uh, because the stake is so high, and it means a lot to me not to. Um, the stakes are so high. It's pathetic. Anything that you talking about is, is on a very high plane and not easy to think of a plane or something I would suggest then just metta for yourself metta may I be safe may I be metta loving kindness practice so to offer compassion to yourself in that moment to just have that be all that you want to do is oh this is hard and I care. May I be safe. May I be at ease. May I care for myself. Like just that silently, simply, maybe put your hand on your heart. But something like that maybe is all that. that as, you know, you said you're avoiding the conflict, right? And having a lot of aversion. So before you do anything else, bring the compassion to the experience. Just exploring maybe something like that. So I jumped in. I'm going to jump back out, let you guys keep going. You're welcome. Thank you. Any, you know, any questions for me at this point? Any comments about what was it like to do this together, to share and talk about your beliefs about emotions, your history of beliefs about emotions? Anything that you want to say about that? I think it's a profound thing to start to look at kind of how we got conditioned to see and relate to emotional states. Would you be willing to just, yeah, Gus, just say even a couple words about what you heard yourself or somebody else saying? I was actually going to say something else, if that's okay. Yep. <clears throat> I've also had, this is one of the... Ex- one of the reasons why I like a concentration practice in terms of calming myself down and just being in a very calm state is that I've had now a few instances when being in that state, I've had some profound insight, which is very emotional. And, uh, I mean, one time, like, I just started crying. It's, mm-hmm. um, it's, For me, sometimes it's better not to try to do something about it. It's more like, let it sit. And for me, when I'm calm enough, things will happen. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. 
Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, we eat food and we don't try and make the body digest it, right? Same with emotions. It's really bringing the mindfulness, the awareness to it and having a spaciousness and a kindness, really, wisdom present that allows it to do what it needs to do, you know. That's beautiful. Yeah. So I thought it might be nice to just sit again and just sort of let you check in again. You, I'm not going to do guided. I'm going to let you, if you want to pull from the raft process, I invite you to do that. And we'll sit for, um, you know, a little over five minutes, six or seven minutes. And, uh, and then we'll wrap up. I'll ring a bell to start. Just, you know, it's always helpful to start by acknowledging your body, right? Your feet, your hands, find your breath. And then to check back in again when you get more inward focused. How am I right now? What's happening right now? Again, the recognizing. And being, it, it, can we be intimate with what's happening? allowing it and feeling it.
I'll just say a few more words. And, um, you know, I, I think at one point it was really important to me to hear emotions can't kill you. They, they, they in themselves don't harm us. So, because I think we can be afraid of emotions or states and it's what, how we react to them that can create the harm, you know. So, it's an aspiration to not make it worse. Whatever is going on for yourself, just aspire not to make it worse. Just let me not make it worse, you know. And if we can trust, trust that they come and go. They are like the weather. You know, sometimes the weather sticks around longer, but it always passes. And there's always subtle variations. So tuning in to the shifting nature of the emotional states, you know, and getting out of the way. You're not your sadness. That's not who you are. You know, you're not your anger. It's not who you are. It's part of life living through us, right? So this week, as part of this unfolding, the invitation is to just maybe tune in a little bit more to emotions as they arise, noticing how long, noticing are we triggering, are we manifesting, you know, can we let them move through, playing with this, you know, um, a little bit, being curious about our beliefs as they come up, our responses, you know, how we're relating. And not just the difficult ones, but tune into feelings of happiness or ease. Like, be curious about contentment. These are we're moving into the heavenly abodes. These are the emotions worth having, right? And so paying attention to those too. And what are the conditions that bring them about? You know, really learning from that, nourishing that, right? And then another piece to pay attention to is, you know, our thoughts you know, often trigger emotions. So what do we get preoccupied with? What are we ruminating about? And what are we doing to ourselves emotionally, physically, by ruminating? So I want to learn a little bit about what gets you caught. So that's my invitation for you. I'm here if anybody has any other questions. But may this course and time together be of benefit to you and to all those you care for and come in contact with and and ultimately benefit all beings everywhere. Thank you. Thank you so much for your engagement.